Welcome to OpenBox. OpenBox aims at bringing easier understanding for open problems so that we can find solutions for such problems. For this purpose, I'm interviewing researchers, practitioners who have published works on open problems in the areas of AI, ML, and associated domains. All these learnings are collected and published in form of a podcast. My name is Sundar. I'm an ethics and risk professional and AI ethics researcher. I'm the host of the pro- this podcast. Ideas emerge when curiosity meets clarity. Here we go with open box to bring clarity to those curious minds looking to solve real world problems. The project is done in collaboration with For Humanity. For Humanity is a 501 nonprofit focused on minimizing downside risks of AI and autonomous systems. For Humanity develops audit criteria for audit of independent independent audit of AI systems. To know more, visit forhumanity.center. Today we have with us Eric. Eric is a research engineer at Facebook AI Research. He is interested in questions around conversational AI, how to make it better, how to evaluate it, and he's also interested in questions of bias in language models. He inherently spends time in understanding languages and their underlying constructs. It helps in the process and the work that he does. We're going to be covering a paper titled Human Evaluation of Conversations in is an Open Problem, comparing the sensitivity of various methods for evaluating dialogue agents, which got published in May 2022, which he authored. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. Fantastic. So let's start with the context, Eric. You're speaking about human evaluation in conversational AI. Can we give a brief to audience in terms of what is conversational AI? What kind of use cases are we trying to cover in this? And so that it becomes much more easier and understandable for people as we go along speaking about open problems. Yeah, that's a good question. So I always, I guess I think of conversational AI as just, yeah, any any system, any machine learning model that is able to engage in conversation or understand human conversation. So usually, you know, as, as far as I've seen, these are, you know, large language models that have been fine-tuned on dialogue data so that they understand what it is like to have a conversation with another person and then are able to engage in that. I mean, there are multiple applications of them that are kind of being developed currently. We have, in addition to open domain conversation models where you can just kind of talk to the model about anything it can and it can kind of serve the role as a general conversation partner about anything. You also have task-oriented dialogue models that are specifically focused on solving some problems. This would be your, you know, your Alexas, your series, or things that are designed to kind of like make sure that you get what you want, like a, res- a restaurant reservation, things like that. So it's a very broad area and I'm more involved in kind of the open domain part of it, but there are a lot of really interesting avenues in, in the entire field and there's a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. Here, when you're actually speaking about the conversational AI, can you also, uh, you just mentioned about that it's applied in multiple domains. Can you explain about the type of domains in which it is applied so that when we're actually speaking about relate to the environments and the implications that could be there in different domains? Yeah, yeah. So 
I mean, with so most of my work is in open domain conversational AI, where you're basically trying to create a bot that can be a general conversational partner who can talk about anything. So in this specific domain, I would say it's it's mostly it's mostly research focused. So there's not a specific we're not looking towards a specific application more than just how well can how well can bots understand language? How well are they able to engage in conversation? But you could imagine other domains, you know, for more task oriented dialogue bots, such as, you know, if, if you are calling customer service, you could have a bot perhaps interact with you. You could have bots that are able to remind you to do things if you, you know, need to like if you, you need to remember some appointment that's on your calendar or things like that. So I, I think uh, most of the applications that I think I think immediately come to mind, or like say a, like a non-player character in a game or something like that, most of the applications that come to mind for conversational agents that I can think of at least tend to be very task oriented. So they're solving one specific problem. I think the, the, the area that's maybe most interesting to me is just general conversational agents that can talk about anything because then it's like, in order for those to do well, they have to understand the totality of human culture and human thought in a way. But yeah, so there's there's a gamut, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely, it's a, it's a, it's so amazing to see to see how these bots have evolved into conversing in a manner that you're not able to distinguish between a bot or a human, right? Many times you feel that they're so convenient in, in the choice of words, in their expressions, and it's it's very authentic, right? And these bots are becoming more and more um, extensively used across domains, primarily because it reduces the cost of labor of managing managing such help desks, managing such activities, even if it is relating to skilled kind of environments, let's say if you're speaking about environments like healthcare, this is, this is getting used to either scheduling or, or even looking at seeking clarity on the existing diagnosis. They're able to provide those insights as we see it. It's, it's very exciting to know that you're working in this particular space. Let's get into the paper. You're, you're speaking about multiple aspects within this paper. What was the primary motivation that drove you into looking at the human evaluation portion? Yeah, great question. So yeah, since we are developing a better open domain conversational agent, we want to be able to tell whether successive versions are better than what we had originally. And so we realized that this is very hard to do because, you know, ultimately these bots are going to be judged by people. And so people need to be the ones to say, I think that the new bot is better than the old bot. And so we can't just rely on automatic ratings of these bots because we don't have any automatic, we don't have any good metrics that are proxies for a human saying, this is a good conversation, this is not a good conversation. So we are, we have been trying to figure out the best ways to get human annotators to rate the performance of different chatbots relative to each other. That was the inspiration for this project. So in it, we compare five different evaluation techniques for using human annotators to evaluate the performance of different models. We find that certain ones work, certain techniques work better in some cases, certain ones work better in other cases, but that overall, none of the techniques perform well for any pair of models that we throw at it. Like in, in some sense, there's no one best technique 
to evaluate conversational agents that will work in every case. So it's very much an open problem still. I understand. I understand. So when when you when you actually speaking about this space of evaluation and no metric to compare between how the previous version worked, how the current version works, are you actually speaking about having something as a benchmark so that it is comparable across environments? Is that is that what you're actually looking at? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess. See, that's the thing. I mean, I think in a lot of domains of AI, you have these benchmarks, you have these data sets on which models can be tested. But the thing about those is that those are automatic. And so you can just, you know, you can run an evaluation on those uh, on those benchmarks and say, this model scores at this level. But that's harder to do with open domain conversational models because that, re- that assumes that there is some kind of automatic there is some is there it is easy to create some kind of automatic test automation um, yeah. because what humans desire from conversation is so complicated it's so hard to define it you know what, what, if, if a human if i speak to you about if i have a free-flowing conversation with you that's not bound by topic i can go into so many we can go into so many different subject areas we're looking for different things we're looking for so many different things from each other that it's very hard to distill that down into to a single number that can be tested so like in some sense, in lieu of benchmarks, we use ha- human annotations because there's no replacement for the real thing. Understand. When um, when we speak about human annotation, you said that there's there's no way we are able to compare it between pieces, and that's where this whole motivation came in. What's the open challenge with human annotation? I mean, there are yeah, there are a lot. That's a great question. There are lots of questions with human and there are lots of open challenges with human annotation. Some, so some of them are that. Well, I guess one big one is that. Well, how do you know that individual people annotating the performance of bots in conversation? How do you know that an individual person is going to be a good representative of all of the people that are going to be using your 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 chatbots or talking to your chatbots? You know, when we have human annotators annotate whether conversations are good or bad, we have a sample of people who all communicate and rate these bots online. But of course, we don't know that that's a representative sample. You know, there is a certain distribution demographically that these annotators will come from. They may not be representative of all the people who might use our chatbot or, you know, like might be interested in using our chatbot. And so there's always going to be skew there that we need to worry about. We also need to worry about whether or not we can communicate to the annotators well enough what we would like them to annotate the conversations on, you know? Like a test is only as good as the rules of the test. And if you can't communicate clearly what it is that you want human annotators to rate the bots on, you're probably not going to get good data back. So there are all of these issues that make the problem of asking humans to rate the bots super, super non-trivial. Yeah. So when you're speaking about this scenario of having a measure or a method to to see how human human in the loop or human annotators are able to examine two things comes in. One is there is a diversity perspective that you actually mentioned about where their representative representativeness is also. Second is there's also a perspective of uh, expansive nature of conversation, which is culture context and also the content per se. So this culture context and content are so very intertwined that it's not just an issue of diversity, but also an issue of 
awareness of context which is very very limiting for anybody to be able to contribute to given the vast nature of the subject itself isn't it right yeah absolutely so when annotators are annotating a conversation like there's they're looking they're reading a conversation between a human and a bot that is the context that they get and you could argue maybe that maybe that's the only context that's available because if a human is communicating with a bot they start talking with a the bot they've never talked to the bot before the bot doesn't know who this human is that is the only context that's context that's available however that is very strange because it's a very artificial situation in very few instances in real life do you get connected with a random person and then you have to introduce yourself to that person and then you have a conversation from nothing so in some sense when we are setting up these tests where we have humans talk to the bots and then they or other humans rate these bots it's highly artificial and it doesn't mean that it is straightforward to assume that the performance of the bots in that context will apply to all the ways in which we might want to use bots in the future once they are ready to be used in whatever application so that that's why like yeah this is it, this the work that we've done to try to annotate bots is kind of the best we have but we need to go a lot further in order to have them in order to be able to say these bots are completely ready for like for prime time we can roll them out into a million different use cases and we can be sure that we've evaluated them fairly in all contexts it's very much an open problem as 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 we say super this also brings in another factor which is uh, when when we speak about conversational ai this is going to be something that is going to extensively be deployed in public context right whether it, it, whether in private services providing convenience to customers to even providing access and comfort for users across geographies for many other public services also right more like go to tool this can be used in mental health there are there are apps which are using mental health uh, mental health apps which are using conversational ai for that so there are bots that are interacting with individuals when they are actually feeling low right i have uh, as part of my research i have actually tested some of those bots and uh, they are very very uh, different their understanding of context is very different some of them are trained on let's say a model like gpt3 they they bring in their own biases from those environments because it's pre-trained beyond that it's also about how they understand certain words as an example in one of them i actually tested said i'm not sad because i'm happy hmm. okay yeah. this is the text that i had given it's it's a very intentional text on a mental health app hmm. okay hmm. now the bot was confused it said why are you feeling so how can i help you to feel better right so this is this is what you're actually speaking about right this is the kind of scenario that you're speaking about when when human evaluators are evaluating here it's the intentional text that i'm speaking about when annotators are looking at it they they uh, they don't know the intention behind those text they're only looking at the text and the response and then they are formulating their own understanding that's where i'm saying that the the context is going to have a very big difference in some of these cases to get a perspective of things yeah this is very 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 interesting i'm glad that you are able to touch upon some of these pointers i'm able to think of a number of 
issues from an ethics perspective. How do you see this from the point of view of ethical issues that come up because of this kind of open issue? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, I think in some ways what we're doing is developing a conversational bot that is specifically a research project. We are not, you know, we, we don't have any immediate plans to put it in some product or another. It is purely a research project. So, I mean, I'm speaking completely from my own perspective, right? I mean, but I, I feel like the closer you get to production use cases, the more it behooves you to understand all of the different ways in which there may be, there may be, there, there may be blowbacks if, not blowbacks, but like there may be, there may be problems if the behavior of the bot is not what you think it will be. You know, if it, if it has, if, if it treats certain people differently than others, if it's able to do what people want or kind of follow out human orders differently in some cases than others in ways that indicate demographic bias, or if there's a, a potential for people to misuse it and maybe cause it to, you know, like maybe say harmful things or give bad advice. There's a lot of literature about different harms that conversational models can have. I think I think the problem is more acute if the if the bots are closer to production. That's only that's that's my specific viewpoint. But I would say that we shouldn't, as researchers, we should never ignore potential ethical issues that come out. If we have a bot that is you know, usable by the public, we ought to, you know, bring up that there are potential ethical issues and not completely sweep it under the rug. So it's, it's a delicate balancing act where we want to be able to push the research forward. We want to be, we want to be able to do research and explore these areas where, while at the same time, knowing that there are potential, there are potentials for harm with these bots that we need to be thinking about alongside the development of the bots themselves. And it doesn't mean we absolutely need to fix every single possible problem before doing anything, but we should be able to prejudge these kinds of ethical issues well in advance of their potential to cause harm, you know, so that at least we can be aware of them and try to fix them and not go in with a, a false, a false confidence that we've, you know, that, that, that these things aren't going to come up, that these kinds of ethical issues won't come up. That's very well summarized and reflected. Eric, I, I thank you for putting that across in a very, very succinct way. With this, we are at the end of our first part, and I look forward to connecting with you in the second part to discuss the other issues that you've covered as part of your paper. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thank you.